Now let me read from the book of James chapter 1 and verse 25. James 1:25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. He will be blessed in what he does. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, and I'm going to read up to verse 48. <clears throat> you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you not even, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagan do that, but be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. But be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And once again, I want to read the scripture of our theme this year. <clears throat> but he said to me, that is God, the Lord Jesus Christ, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord our God, we are so grateful for your wonderful presence today. And just we, Lord, we, we ask you that may you come through to speak to each and every one of us. Lord, may we be able to appreciate who we are, even in the very weak areas of our life. Lord Jesus, let us recognize that you have brought us into this world to fashion us, to transform us, to change us into the kind of person that we ought to become when we are in your very own presence. So Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your word and we pray let this word speak to us. Deep down in our heart, <clears throat> let it address every weakness that we may have, every hardship, every difficulty, every situation that not, may not be as we would have loved it to be. Thank you, Lord Jesus that your word comes to bring perfection to our lives. We thank you, Lord. Bless your word. Amen. <clears throat> so my subject today is when I'm weak, then I'm strong. <clears throat> I think we all love to be strong. We all love to be the best. We all love to come out on top in, in the class that we, that we attend or whatever the situation may be, where we are. 
uh, it's good to be, to be uh, first and to, to be strong. But then, you know, when Paul was looking at his life, and you know Paul, we must understand, he had a lot of strengths. But of course, some of these strengths, God had to disturb them. God had to destroy them. God had to remove them from his life because it was impossible for him to become a, a useful tool in the hands of God without uh, allowing God to come into certain areas of his life. And you know, when, when we are strong in a certain area of our lives, then we may not allow God to come in. I will come and discuss this a little bit later. <clears throat> now, Paul discovered, you know, the strong man, Paul, who was an excellent orator, you know, an excellent uh, teacher, an excellent uh, student of the Word of God. But he came to discover that weakness, insult, hardships, persecution, difficulties, these things gave God a chance to manifest his almighty power in his life. And I think this is very important for us to recognize because when we are strong, you know, then we don't need God, okay? We don't need him to come to our rescue. And you see, in many situations, we think we can do without God. We, we don't even need to pray in certain areas because we have everything that is required. So we just carry on. We just do what we think we can do. And we uh, want to achieve everything that we feel is profitable for us to achieve. Sometimes we don't think about the things that God wants to see being achieved in our lives. Now I want to take you to a story. Uh, I think we know this story, but I think it's a very important uh, story because it teaches us certain very important things that we should all uh, be able to know, that we should be able to learn, that we should be able to practice. <clears throat> this is the story of a rich man. In one of the translations, it says he was a rich young man, okay? So pr most probably if he was rich and he was young, he must have inherited a lot of that which, you know, made his riches. So in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, the Bible reads, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? What good thing shall I do so that I have eternal life? So in other words, this, this gentleman knew that he didn't have eternal life. Okay? In our own lives because we who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we know that we have eternal life. Amen? We know that he has brought us life that is not of this world, but it is eternal when he came and when he gave us his everlasting word. But this man, he didn't know that. <clears throat> and yet he was a man who was very well-versed in scripture. Of course, at that time, there was only the Old Testament, so he knew all of this. <clears throat> and so, first of all, Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is, the one who is good is only God. 
Okay, so we must understand. But this man came and he called Jesus good teacher. Okay, and Jesus said, you know, uh, you must understand only God is good. But of course he was right in that case because of course Jesus is the son of God. But of course he, has not, he had not revealed himself the son of God. But this man somehow realized that the answer to his question, you know, the answer to eternal life must be in, in this prophet, this new prophet that came along called Jesus. Okay, and so he asked this question, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And so uh, Jesus says, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> the young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. All these things I've kept from my youth. I, I don't know whether we could say all of this uh, for ourselves, okay? That we have loved everyone around, you know, our neighbors as we love ourselves. Uh, that is a high mark. But this young man says, <clears throat> I've kept it all. So what is it that I still lack? And Jesus said to him, I'm sure Jesus took time to, in another scripture, rather, about the same story, the Bible says Jesus loved him, okay? So he was somebody who was very close to the kingdom of God, <clears throat> but not quite there yet. And he himself knew it. <clears throat> and that's why he said, what must I do so that I can enter into the kingdom of God so that I can have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, we will come back, back to that word perfect because it's a very important word in scripture. Okay, I'll talk a little bit later about it. If you want to, go, uh, to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. <clears throat> but when the, young, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Okay, so the demand of the Lord Jesus Christ was considered impossible for him to fulfill. While he was saying, I've all fulfilled the laws of God, everything that the, 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 the law commands, but what you are asking me here, hmm, I can't possibly do. And so scripture says he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his, when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? What a question. 
But Jesus looked at them and he said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Now let's look a little bit at this uh, scripture, at these words of the Lord Jesus Christ to this, to this man who was uh, uh, in a you know, upper class, well-to-do. He was very religious. He was doing everything that was expected of him. And he was willing to do even more. Okay? He did what he felt he needed to do, what the law required him to do. Whether his uh, assessment that he had done everything was right, that's a different question. I would rather, rather doubt it, you know, because we human beings, we sometimes over overestimate ourselves. You know, we say we have done it, and meanwhile, we haven't done it. Okay. <clears throat> but then, you know, Jesus is speaking to this man who felt he had done everything the law required. He had fulfilled all the things that were necessary. And he was willing to find out what he should add to the things that he was already doing. So his emphasis was on doing. I do this, I do that, I do the other, I do that. Okay? And he was willing to hear Jesus say what he should add to do. But actually Jesus did not talk about adding, doing things, but subtracting things. Okay? And I think that's very important. This is extremely important for us to look at. Okay, so Jesus didn't say, okay, you must add this law or you must do this thing. No, he says, no, you must actually deal with your riches, with all the things that you have. Because God had no chance to do anything in his life because he could do everything by himself. He was rich. You know, he, he had uh, probably a lot of influence because people who have money, they have got influence. You know, they have got friends. So he didn't really need anything else. He didn't really need to say, God, help me so that I can pay my rent at uh, the end of this month. Because he had it. Okay? There was no weakness in his life. There was no inadequacy in his life. He had everything. He was rich. And of course, that was exactly the problem that hindered God to do anything in his life. Because he didn't need to trust God. He trusted himself. Okay? He trusted himself in everything that he did. And he was able to even boast about it. I've done all of this. And he was willing to, to do another thing if there was uh, anything required so that he could be able to add it to his collection of things that he was already doing. And Jesus said, I'm not adding anything for you to do, but I'm asking you to remove the things that make you self-sufficient. You must become vulnerable. And of course, this is hard to do for any one of us. Okay? To accept that we have uh, insufficient you know, power or, or money or this or the other, you know, maybe some of these areas uh, is obvious to us, but the other areas we think we have sufficient. And, you know, Jesus said to him, you must 
do away with all the riches that you have. You're a rich man, okay? And of course, he didn't say that he was rich, but Jesus knew it. Jesus realized this man had no space for God to manifest his kindness, his goodness, his love, his grace, so that he could be able to accomplish certain things in his life. So God had no chance to work in him because he was capable of doing everything by himself. And yet Jesus was asking him that he should become vulnerable, okay? He said, give away all the riches that you have, you know, and give them to the poor. Now, was, was uh, Jesus jealous that he was rich? Of course not, because everything belongs to him anyway. You know, he is the owner of everything. And did, did Jesus want that this man should become poor for the rest of his life? No, not at all. You know, he, he could have been blessed once again, but he had to learn not to trust into his riches, but he had to learn to trust in God. And that he was not willing to do. We, we need to be seeing this very, very clearly. He was not willing to, uh, you know, take a risk that all the properties, all the money, all the things that he was depending on was, was disappearing, and then he would be vulnerable. He would need to get helped. And, you know, every, every child of God should understand that we need to allow God to help us. Actually, we need to be vulnerable enough that God can come through and meet us at the point of our needs. Okay? That's why he calls us to the throne of grace so that he meets, that he meets the needs that we have. Okay? So in other words, if you don't have needs, you will never see the power of God manifested in your life. And that's very important. Now, what we must understand, and of course what this young man did not understand, is that whatever originates from the flesh can never be perfect. Can never be perfect. And this young man, he, he wanted to be perfect. And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, then go and sell what you have and give it to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven and come and follow me. So in other words, he would have given away, but he would have had a treasure far greater than the things that he had, than the things that he could give, give away. And I think this is very important for all of us to, to, to study and to, to learn, okay, because it's hard. We, we naturally don't think about issues in the way that Jesus tells us. Okay, so this man... He felt inadequate despite all the riches that he already had, okay? Because otherwise he would not have come to Jesus. He said, what, what is missing in my life? What, what must I do? So he felt inadequate. Even so, he had everything, and he usually depended on the things that he already had. And that's why he was willing to do more, because, you know, at the end of the day, he, he wanted to feel be feeling good, Okay? 
if he could tell Jesus, I've done all of these things. I'm sure he, he said this with a sense of pride, feeling good. I've done all of this. I'm sure he must have been smiling by himself, you know, when Jesus was talking about these things that he should be able to, to do. He says, wow, I've done all of this, you know, nothing missing. And it's not wrong to do the things, the right things that God is asking us to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But what we must understand is that there is a gap between what we can be able to accomplish through our own ability and what we cannot accomplish. And that's why this man felt inadequate because he realized there was something that he, he didn't do. He felt he couldn't do because he didn't know what was supposed to be done. And you know, this is why people do all kinds of strange things in our world to do today because they feel there is some inadequacy in their lives. And then they try to fill that inadequacy with one thing or the other. And you know, crazy things are happening in our world because people realize something is missing. Okay, at least this, this man came to Jesus, but most of the people don't even come to Jesus. They just try this, they try the other, they try something else. So Jesus asked this man, you know, he should, that he should forego his strength so that Jesus could work in his life. In fact, he, Jesus wanted to do a work in his life that this young man didn't even know was required. Okay? He realized something was not there, but he didn't know what it would, it would need for him to, to, to come to that position where he could say, thank God he has done it. For me. The reason why many of us do not see Jesus at work is because we constantly meddle with the work of the Lord. Okay? Jesus wants to do something in our life, but then we say, we think we know better. You know, Jesus uh, would love to do things, you know, to bring us out of certain situations that we suffer in, but then uh, we, we, we jump in and we say, no, no, I know better. And we do our own thing, and then nothing will happen. Because what we can do is limited, uh, and it will never get us to our destiny. And then when we do what we want to do, then Jesus will not interfere. Okay? Two people cannot work on the same thing, you know. Uh, so Jesus said, either you let me do my work, or else you do it yourself. And very often, we, we meddle with what the Lord is doing. You know, we pray, God help me in that situation. God bring me through this problem. You know, and then when we have said amen, we go and try and get out of the problem instead of listening to what God says. And I think this is really extremely important for all of us to understand. When we have prayed, okay, we should leave our problem with him. We should not take it back. Okay, there was that song where it says you should bring your burden and leave it there. Leave it at the throne of God. Not, not like, playing, like playing squash, you know, you, you hammer against the wall and then the ball comes back to you. You hammer it again and it comes back to you. And at the end of the day, you go back with your problem just as you came. So that is not the idea. The idea is that we tell Jesus our needs and then expect him 
to take up the matter. And if we should do anything, then it should be on his command. We should be able to listen carefully and only do what he tells us to do. You see, this is what we can see in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus was able to do all the things that he did. You know, he took time in the morning to pray and hear from the Father. And when the Father told him, okay, today I want to accomplish this and this, then he followed the instruction of the Father. But so many of us, and I don't exclude myself of that, you know, so many of us, we have prayed and we pray and we, 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 we cry, we weep. We say, God, you must come through and help me. And the moment we have said amen, we go and try to solve the problem. So which means we don't really believe that God will do it. You understand? And the one who has a double-minded, uh, you know, uh, thought will, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. You cannot say, God, you know, I give you a chance to, to work things out in my, in my situation and then try to do it yourself. That doesn't work, okay? So you have to wait for Jesus to tell you, okay, now, do this or do that. But if you have already done other things, you know, it will be very difficult for you to come back and say, you know, my things didn't work because you felt God was supposed to bless just what I was doing. And God doesn't work that way, okay? So we must only act on what the word tells us, not on our own intuition. And I'm not saying intuition is wrong. We can use intuition for many things. You can use intuition to write a book, write a song, you know, do a lot of other things. But when you have asked God for his intervention, then don't use your own intuition. Because that means you're not really, you're not really expecting him to come through. You have, you have actually prayed to a, to a dead God. Okay, or you pray to the ceiling because you don't expect the ceiling to do anything. And if you, if you pray and then you do your thing, the thing yourself that you have asked him to do, that means you're not really believing. Okay, and many of us, we fall into that trap. Okay, many of us, we, 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 we think we have to help God. <laughs> That's very sad. Okay, and actually you're not the only one. You know, uh, this is a very old problem which has started even with the father of our faith, Abraham, okay? Abraham prayed for a son, okay? He was actually called, uh, the, the word Abram, you know, which he, was his name when he was, when he was named uh, after birth. It was, uh, it means exalted father. But he had no children. Okay, he had no children. He, he was called father, but he had no children. Okay. And so, of course, God came through to him and God promised him to give him a child. But, you know, it took time. And because it took time, you know, he, he felt something needed to be done. Since God was not doing it, you know, he was uh, negotiating some kind of... Uh, plan out of that situation and Sarah, his wife, had a very good idea. She said, you know, I've got my, my servants here, my, my maid servants. <clears throat> I can give you one of them and, you know, you can have a son since it's me who is barren, but you, you can have a, a, a child. Now, 
You pray to God, God give me a son, but then you are making a plan which has nothing to do with the plan of God. You, you produce now your own, your own prayer or answer to prayer, but it's not the answer to prayer from the Lord, okay? It's your own answer. And, you know, this answer is always a painful answer, devastating. And many of the problems that we have manufacture them. And you say, but no, I didn't, because I was praying, and then, you know, this came out. Yeah, you were praying, but then you were trying to meddle with God. You didn't really wait for God to come through, but you did it yourself. And that's what Abraham did, you know. So if Abraham, our, the father of our faith, could do that, none of us is exempt, okay? None of us can say, no, it would never happen to me. Probably it has happened to every single one of us, Okay? So, their prayer, okay, in uh, exclamation marks, was successful, okay? And they produced a son, and they called him Ishmael. And Ishmael was described as a wild donkey. And Ishmael caused problems. You know, Ishmael was always in, 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 in soup with everybody around. And, uh, you know, even today, in our world, I mean, this is thousands of years after Abraham's, um, you know, fulfillment of his own, of his own ability. You know, <laughs> we still have problems between Isaac and Ishmael. Okay, if you look at the uh, at the way that the nations have developed, you know, uh, Isaac is uh, the father of uh, uh, the Israelites and the Jews. Ishmael is the father of. Uh, the Arab nations, okay? And, and you can see why there is this, this problem that never ends, okay? I mean, all the politicians uh, in the recent past, you know, all the presidents in America have tried to solve this problem. All the, the pro they have tried to, to end this issue of this constant fighting that has actually sprung up again, okay? And they couldn't manage because it's the, uh, the fight between the flesh and the spirit, okay? So what originates from man can never be perfect, will always be a work of the flesh. And uh, when, when Abraham produced the son, of course, you know, he had, a, he had a promise from God that he would give him a son, but he had to wait for God to give it to him. Give that son to him. But then he didn't wait. He produced himself. And he produced himself in a way that was not perfect. Not right. Yes, he was having a son. And he loved his son. And he wanted God to bless his son. But God said, no, he cannot inherit with the son of promise. Okay? You can read the story on your, on your own. You know, actually, it's a very, very powerful story, very important story that gives us a lot of explanation why the things in our world are the way they are. Okay, so, Abraham had to be approached again. After, you know, his son Ishmael grew up and, you know, was becoming a teenager, God still came back to him and says, you need to wait for me. 
Okay, let me read this scripture for you in the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verse 1. And God said to Abram, okay, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase you, increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, but your name will be Abraham. For I've made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. So, you know, uh, God actually spoke to Abraham as if Ishmael did not even exist. Okay, because as far as God was concerned, that was the work of the flesh. And it's, I'm not saying that God never had compassion with Ishmael. You can read the story. You'll find that God even blessed Ishmael as well. But as for the promise of God and the plan of God, that could not be fulfilled with the, the son of the flesh, but only with the son of the spirit. Okay? So uh, that is what we need to understand. So if God wants to do a work in your life and he wants to do his work in every one of us. You know, it's not a work of the flesh, it's the work of the Spirit. Now God says to uh, Abraham, I'm God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. That's a very interesting word. In the, in the Hebrew, uh, there is a word that is called tamim, perfect. And that word is being used in many other uh, scriptures as well. For instance, the Bible tells us in the, in the book of Psalms 18 verse 28, for you will be my lamp, the Lord God will enlighten my darkness, for, you are, for by you I can run against the troop, by my God I can leap over the wall. As for God, his way is perfect. Okay? So the same word is being used here. The ways of God are perfect. The same word tamim is there. Okay? That's what uh, God says to Abraham. You should walk before me and be blameless. Same word. Okay? Again, the Bible tells us that God is perfect. And the same word is being used. God says his word is perfect. The same word is being used. Very interesting. Okay? And that's why when God says be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, then that means we must become like him in every way. Now, of course, many of us, we are saying mm, perfection. We can't be perfect. It's impossible. Okay? It's impossible. In the Greek... There is the word teleos or teleo. It, it means more or less the same thing like tamin. And this is the word which is being used when God says, be perfect therefore as your father in heaven is perfect. Okay, so if you look at the clock, okay, you know that 
at 12 o'clock, immediately after the, the, the clock, the, 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 the uh, hour has, has, has set 12, immediately the next second, there is a new cycle beginning, isn't it? And then, of course, you, you want to see the cycle going through until it comes back to 12 o'clock again. Or if you want, you can take a digital clock and even go to 24. And everything that is not 24 or 12, okay, depending on what you are going to look at, is not perfect, okay? Perfection comes only when it, re it reaches the climax, okay? And we must understand that God is perfect, okay? Everything that he has said, he will do, he has done. And he will continue to do what he has promised to do. So God is perfect from time immemorial in everything that he plans, in everything that he does, okay? And if he didn't give us a free will, even everything on this earth would be perfect. But it's not perfect because we have brought it out of balance. You see, what this really means is that there is a process to bring to conclusion, like a clock is moving every moment, you know? So if you look at your clock, you see the, uh, the, 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 the arms of your, your, of your clock somewhere, or, or your digital clock, it tells you, uh, you know, 10, 30 or something like that. And, and then it's continuously moving until it comes to its perfection, okay? Until a day is, is over and a new one begins. Every day is a cycle. Every day is a season in which God wants to accomplish certain things in our lives, okay? And as long as that, that uh, cycle is not completed, it's not perfect. But then it comes to complete and it is now perfect. The same is true with the Word of God. You know, the Word of God is perfect, but actually it makes us perfect. And this is what James tells us in the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 25. The Bible says, the man who looks intently, intently into the perfect law, again, that is teleo, okay, perfect law, the same word like uh, God is using, Jesus is using when he says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay? So, the Word of God says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what he does. So, we, miss, we must learn that in our weakness, in our inadequacy, in our shortcomings, we need to look at the perfect word. Because the perfect word can make us perfect. Okay, this is what Paul is saying. You know, Paul says, I delight in weaknesses, okay, and in all of these other things, so that Christ's power may rest on me. I boast all the more about my weaknesses because I know God is doing something in these weaknesses. And when I'm weak, then I'm strong because I give God opportunity to manifest his power, his Holy Spirit, his grace, his kindness, his goodness in my weakness. 
Okay, so it's not a contradiction when Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because what he says, when I'm weak in my flesh, in my own ability, and I accept my, my weakness, I accept my shortcoming, I accept that I cannot do certain things, okay, then God will come through for me in those areas of my life. And he will be able to complete what I can never be even attempting to complete. And so let's us understand that uh, we need to learn that lesson. I think it was a very difficult lesson even for, for, the, uh, for the man who was called Saul, who was so, in, so adequate, you know, who was, who was so determined to the Christians, the people who were, you know, having this new faith that he despised. And then one day, he meets the leader of that new movement and he falls from his high position of, on the horse and he finds himself on the ground blind. And this voice comes to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This man was strong. This man was powerful. This man had resolve. But God had a different plan for his life. And he destroyed that strength. He destroyed that ability that Paul had. And thank God, you know, God, God did that because he knew the heart of Paul. He would have a humble heart. He would humble himself. He would be willing to let go of all of these things. And that's why, why, why Paul says, everything that was, was value to me, now it has become just done, Okay? It is garbage because it was just for my own righteousness. And my own righteousness is like filthy rocks in the sight of God. So it is his grace. It is his power that makes us perfect. You know, as we keep looking at the word of God, and this is what James is saying. It's very important that we, that we take uh, this, this word very seriously. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law. You see, and this is, this is the problem that we sometimes have. You know, we have very little time to, to do our devotion. So we quickly read, boom, 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 and we are gone. We don't have time to listen. But intently looking into the word of God is something completely different. In fact, in the, uh, in the Old Testament, there was a certain group of people, they called, they called the Masorites. These were people who were actually copying the scriptures because, of course, there were no printing presses at that time. So uh, when you had a new, needed a new copy, you needed to have people to copy word for word. And these people needed to be accurate, 100% accurate. They needed to be perfect. They couldn't miss anything, not even a iota, which is just a, a small apostrophe, Okay. And Jesus said that nothing will disappear from the word of God, not even the iota. Okay, that is a, the, the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So this, these people were sitting on the scriptures. And as they were so copying, they were making sure they were looking at what they did intently so that they would spot anything that was not right. Okay. They were actually sitting sometimes for hours and hours to, to you know, like a hen breeding over, over the eggs, 
to wait until finally God would give them a word. Unfortunately, uh, these kind of people were not existing when Jesus came. You know, they, they had disappeared. There were people who thought they knew everything when actually they didn't really intently look into the word of God. So we must understand that God has a wonderful plan for us. He wants to bring us to perfection. And just like a clock is moving, we are supposed to move. Okay? And, and you know, when we are continuing to move in step with Christ, he calls us perfect. Okay? So God wants us to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. And we are perfect not because of what we are able to do, but we are perfect because of what Christ is doing in us. Okay? That is the key. Because Christ wants to do his work inside of our lives. And that's why God said, or Christ said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Okay? Let my grace work it out. Don't do it on your own. Let my grace work it. And it will be definitely enough. So when we stop interfering with the work of God in our lives, hey, then God can do great, great and mighty things. When Abraham recognized that Ishmael was not the son of promise, okay, but that it was actually the very Sarah that was unable to have children who would give him the son of promise, Abraham personally when things began to happen. And God came to visit Abraham personally. You know, there's that very famous uh, scripture in the book of Genesis chapter 18 where three men come to visit uh, Abraham. Okay? Two of them are angels. These are the two who went on to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, brought judgment there. But one was Christ. Okay, And before he left, he says, next year, at this time, you will have a son. That is the son of promise. And Sarah heard it in the tent, and she, she, was, she was beginning to, to laugh. That how possible is this? You know, I could not have a child when I was in a child-bearing age. And now I'm far beyond child-bearing age. How should I have a son? And of course, she had a son. Because when God is doing his work, it doesn't depend on our ability. It doesn't depend on our strengths. It doesn't depend on your connections. It doesn't depend on your resources. It depends solely and only upon God. Amen? And this is what happened right here. Okay? So when God said, this is what is going to happen one year from today, you know, I will be back and you will have a son. Humanly speaking, you say, ah, never, never possible, impossible. You know, this is, such a thing cannot happen. But there is no impossible with God, okay? Even the disciples were saying, when Jesus was giving this young man, this young rich man, this answer, you know, sell everything that you have, and then you follow me. And he didn't want to do it. And the disciples were worried. How can this happen? Who can be saved if this is the case? And Jesus said, with man, yes, it will be very difficult. But 
Everything is possible with God. Amen? Everything is possible with God. And my appeal to all of us, okay, and I groom myself here, my appeal to all of us is that we allow God to work things out in our lives. Okay? You may look at your resources, your abilities, your strengths, your friends, your relatives, and you come to the conclusion, it will not do. I don't just have what I need to, to, to accomplish. But don't just look at the things in this world. Look at the best connection that you have. And that is the connection with heaven, the connection with your heavenly father, the connection with Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who has come to bring us the promises of the father and make sure that all of these things will become real in our lives. Hallelujah. This is good, okay? So at one time, you should come to that very conclusion like the apostle Paul who could say, when I'm weak, hey, then I'm strong. Amen? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Of course, most of us say, when I'm weak, I don't like it. <laughs> when I'm weak, I have to find somebody who can give me some, some push. Okay? When I have no money, I need to ask from somewhere. Okay? But Paul was able to say, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Not because of the resources of this world but because God will come through for me. And that is what God desires to do in our life. So remember, God wants to bring us to perfection. Just like a clock is ticking towards the... Comp and finally it will be perfect, okay? You can trust God that he will make it perfect. We cannot make it perfect because we don't know how much time we have, okay? You see, on, a football, on the football pitch, you know they have got 90 minutes. So if you are on the 89th minute and you are still down 0-1, you know, you better hurry up at least to, to draw. Of course, these days, again, you know, they're adding more minutes and sometimes you don't know how, more minutes, how many more minutes they're adding. But, uh, you know, in our world, things are predictable. With God, you cannot predict. And what we should just learn is that we take everything God gives to us, every day, every hour, every minute, we should take it from the hand of God. So God says to Abraham, walk before me and be blameless, be tamim, that means be perfect. Okay? And that doesn't mean that you have to now create a perfection in the human ability, but you allow God to bring that perfection to you. Because when Jesus comes into your life, then God the Father will see you in Christ. And in Christ, you are perfect. Good news. Okay? In your own ability, hey, you're not perfect. No matter how much uh, success you may have. And some people, you know, they call themselves self-made uh, businessmen or self-made millionaires, uh, that self-made will only last up to their last day, okay? And then it will all scatter, maybe not even that long. Many have seen it be scattered long before they came to the end of their life. 
So don't be proud of the self-made. You know, this young, maid, young man who came to Jesus, he was a self-made guy. But then he could not get what God had for him. He missed out. Because the self-made was so uh, big in his life that he didn't want to let it go. So we must constantly learn, as we have seen this uh, process taking place in the life of Paul, it should take place in our life. When I avail my weakness to Christ, something great is going to happen. When we intently continue looking at the power of God, okay, it will provide for us the forgiveness of God. It will provide for us everything that we cannot do on our own, in our own strengths. Now, weakness is a placeholder, giving God permission to do whatever he wants. Okay? I don't know whether you know what a placeholder is. Okay, a placeholder is something temporary that you put maybe in some of your text until finally you know what should be there, something that you don't know yet. Okay? For instance, I do a lot of writing and, uh, you know, when I do reports or something like that, or even a book, you know, I have headings and uh, chapters, and the chapter begins at a certain page number. But as long as the book is not finished, I don't know which, which number of uh, page this is going to happen, okay? It could be page 20, but it could also be page 22 or page 19. So, in other words, I put a placeholder there, okay? Something temporary, something that is not going to remain there for good, but it will be there until I know the answer, until the perfect comes, okay? So our weakness is a placeholder for the manifest power of God in our lives. You know, so next time you think about your weakness, remember, it's a placeholder. It's not there for good. It's temporary. It's only there for a moment. The placeholder will be replaced in the editing process. Okay, so when you do the final edit, every placeholder will be removed and the perfect thing which is supposed to be there will be actually inserted in that place. Okay? Let me just read for you Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Okay, or I could say be edited. Okay, you are in an editing process. Every time, you know, something is coming to, to be known that was only having a placeholder before will be transformed, will be changed. So the placeholder will be removed and the perfect text will be there. So God is saying here, do not conform to the pattern, no longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Again, we have the word teleos here. You know, the perfect will of God. How can we know the perfect will of God? By allowing him to transform us. 
by allowing him to come into our, into our placeholder text, okay, into our weaknesses, and allowing him to replace that, edit that uh, placeholder with the power that is perfect from above. Hey, this is good. Okay? So all of us, every one of us has got placeholder text. Okay? The story is not complete. It's not fully edited yet. Maybe it's not even fully written yet. But, you know, you must understand where there is a weakness, through the time of editing, the weakness eventually will disappear. Okay? And whatever was weak will be replaced by something that is strong. And that's why Paul was saying, when I'm weak, I know, strength will come. I actually, I will be strong because God will edit this, the weakness of my life. He will transform my mind. He will make me what he wants me to be. And that's what Roman tells us very, very clearly. But I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay? As long as I'm not complete, as long as I'm not edited, you know, I may not fully understand the ways and the plans of God. But when I'm edited, then it will gradually change from one level of glory to a greater level of glory. This is powerful. Amen? And, you know, all of us, we must recognize that we don't live the way we should live. That we don't love the people that we should love. You know, sometimes it's very strange. You know, Jesus said you should learn to love your enemies. But sometimes we don't even love our friends. Sometimes we don't even love our siblings. Sometimes we don't even love our parents in the natural as well as in the spiritual. How many times are children resenting when the parents are saying something that they don't like? Okay, that's a fact. And it's true even with spiritual children. You know, sometimes they don't like what parents are saying. And they get resentful. And resentment is very dangerous. So allow God to transform that placeholder of weakness. But we need to first recognize it, you know. If you don't know that there is a weakness, then you cannot get help. So allow the weakness to become the strength of your life. So God is going through our lives, every single one of us, in order to refine us through his word, in order to remove the weaknesses, in order to remove the placeholders so that his strengths can come in. And his word, that is powerful, that is alive, that is perfect, you know, that's what the Bible says. My word is perfect because the word of God is Christ. Okay. His word through his Holy Spirit will bring perfection into our weakness. And that's the good news. Praise the Lord. So when you go home, don't, don't moan about my weaknesses. No, I wish I could do this, I could do that. You know, let God work things out in your life. Like the Bible shows us how completion had to come. It needed the spirit to hover over the ground and then 
when there was uh, everything prepared, the word of God came through and everything was changed. Every darkness became light. Every uh, thing that could not, not produce uh, fruit, every barren thing was becoming fruitful. And God did a, a wonderful work in creation. And that's exactly what he does in the spiritual life of each and every one of us. We must have our mind renewed, okay? We must, we must allow God to do his editing process. And the editing process will be done through the word of his power, through the grace of God, because the grace of God is the very power of God, okay? And then we will be coming to the, to the knowledge of the perfect will of God because God gives us the ability to do so. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know, the very famous chapter of love, the Bible says love never fails. Praise God. And uh, that tells us that we are not complete in love because we do fail, isn't it? But love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Okay? We live in a world and we have got a lot of partial knowledge, partial understanding, partial strengths. But the perfect is coming. Praise the Lord. God is doing the perfect. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10, May the God of all grace, hey, this is good, the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while. <clears throat> okay, so their weaknesses, suffered a while, their weaknesses. But then, <clears throat> perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So in other words, your weakness will be turned into strength. You will become perfect. You will become established, become strong. You will be settled in every area. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's not a contradiction. That's a divine process of editing our life. Okay? A divine process of bringing us from the work of the flesh the power of God, the weakness of this world, of this, of this uh, human existence that we all know too well, into the power that only God can be able to manifest in our lives. May God bless his word and may we all be able to make progress having our mind transformed, having our life edited so that more and more of the placeholders of our weakness will be replaced by the perfect text of God, the perfect word of God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful for your wonderful word, for your love, for your kindness. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have a plan that will never fail. And Lord, we pray that you help us, that we are not interfering with what you have decided to do in us and through us. Lord, help us that we are not meddling, not, not uh, praying one thing and doing another. Lord Jesus, help us that we wait for you, even if it takes time. Lord, we look at Abraham and we realize he had to wait for a long time. And sometimes we are so impatient. Sometimes we don't want to wait. But Lord Jesus, we look up to you. We wait for your process of transformation. Your process of removing the placeholder weakness and put your power in the same place. So Lord, we give you thanks and praise and honor that you are not finished with any one of us. Lord, you are very busy at work in every one of our lives. And Lord, we thank you so much for what you continue to do in us. And so Lord, help us that we continue to look intently into your word that has the power to make us perfect. To you be the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. 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 <clears throat>